Hi, hi, everybody. Welcome back to Emergency Trauma Mamas podcast. I've been away for a little while, but I'm back. So thanks for hanging in there. You probably thought I was never going to come back, but here I am. So let's talk about a case study today of a patient that sometimes presents one way and looks another way and then, God forbid, they sit in triage forever because you think it's something else. So um, kind of like that hoofbeats, when you hear hoofbeats, think horses, not zebras um, scenario. So let's get started into your background history or synopsis of your history here. So you are working at triage and you have um, a 69 year old woman who's brought in by EMS after her husband called 911. And the reason he called 911 is because his wife was becoming increasingly confused, uh, was having vomiting, and a reduced level of consciousness. So, of course, this poor gentleman was very worried and concerned and, you know, frantic because typically older people really don't um, know what to do when their spouse is repeatedly vomiting. They get very nervous. And of course, with the increasing confusion and the change in level of consciousness, um, that brought him to call 911. So on ED arrival, she arrives, she's altered, hypotensive, and bradycardic. Hmm. So that in and of itself is concerning for multiple differential diagnoses, which we'll get to in a moment. So the first thing that you kind of want to do is just extrapolate as much information as you can from the husband, of course, will say that he's arriving with the patient, um, whether they come to the triage desk or they're coming into the back uh, via AMBO, although this scenario is coming into um, the ED arrival is via AMBO. You do want to try to get as much information and extrapolate it as quickly as possible. And, of course, you're like, okay, well, what kind of meds is she taking? Well, her past medical history is positive for uh, AFib, CHF, osteoarthritis, hypothyroidism, peptic ulcer disease, and bipolar disorder. And she recently has had a UTI. Now, it's not saying anything other than that. Uh, past surgical history, not nothing too outstanding. You're able to um, pull up her name because she's been in the EMR. Uh, she's there. She's been in your facility before, so you're able to pull that up. And nothing really stands out or jumps out off the page for you when you cut to the surgical history. Medications, um, she's on DIG, spironolactone, uh, COX-2 inhibitor, uh, protonics, amitriptyline, and DILT, Nitro Patch, uh, Lasix, Levothyroxine, uh, Wellbutrin, and um, looks like, oh, lo and behold, she's on Macrobed for her UTI. Okay, so those are some interesting drugs. They all have pretty severe side effects um, if taken incorrectly or overdosing or getting into trouble. For instance, we know that when we think about a drug from a pharmacological standpoint, I always think about absorption, distribution, metabolism, and excretion. Because ADME is just what I think about with every drug, every patient, every time. So not only is she a geriatric patient, she's 69 years old, but she's also gone through 
um, an infectious disease process or she still currently is in the middle of it. We're not sure because we don't have a CBC staring at us in the face. So there's multiple things that could be going on with this patient. Not only is she on some heavy duty drugs, but we don't even have the whole story of what happened. So we don't know if she had trauma, if she fell, um, The biggest thing that kind of jumps out, though, to you should be, hey, she's on Dig, hey, she's on DILT, uh, because of the chief complaint, altered, hypotensive, and bradycardic. So when you know those few things, you start thinking along the lines of cardiac, 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 but could it be neuro, neuro, neuro? Did she fall? Did she hit her head? I don't see any thinners on the list. However, we know that just based on a geriatric trauma patients, that their meninges get very thin as they get older in the brain. In addition to that, your brain does atrophy. Unfortunately, as you get older, the gray matter does shrink, and then you have what I call the pinball effect, where it's kind of like putting a pinball in a Tupperware bowl, and you shake it around, and there's just so much more room within the cranial vault for things to move. When you have just a wee bit of trauma, it doesn't take too much. So you've got an old brain and you don't even have to have a patient who's on thinner. So multiple differential diagnosis, right? And you didn't even get past the past medical history, the chief complaint or the medications. So let's talk about it. Let's decipher it a little bit further down and just look at what are some things that you think about off the top of your head when a patient presents with altered mental status or AMS, as we like to call it, not always amyotrophic lateral sclerosis or Lou Gehrig's disease. AMS, of course, in the ED trauma world is altered mental status. So what are some things that you think about? Well, of course, talk screen drugs, just because she's 69 doesn't mean it can not be drug related. Is that the most frequent thing? Not really, but it's not going to fall off our differential list. Um, toxicology, toxicologically speaking, is there a chance that this patient did not take her DILT, her diltiazem, or her DIG correctly, or that the diltiazem is XL, and she accidentally took two of those instead of one of those? Um, there's multiple, multiple scenarios that can play out with this patient. In addition to that, is she really taking her spironolactone or aldactone, um, potassium sparing diuretic? Is she taking that correctly? Because again, think about the K, think about your sodium potassium pump. Um, Again, altered, hypotensive, and bradycardic. So what we like to refer to as the AEIOU TIPS mnemonic is um, the first thing is A for alcohol or acidosis. Another thing that you think of um, when you think about acidosis, of course, is uh, anion gap for which there is the gold mark or mud piles mnemonic. So those are two different things, but gold mark is actually more favored um, in the data these days. So that's a whole Another thing that you can go down when you look at drugs. Um, But alcohol and acidosis for the A for AEIOU tips. E is for endocrine. So, you know, check your sugar, epilepsy, electrolytes. Of course, we talked about the K already or um, hepatic encephalopathy. 
or any kind of um, brain disorder like Wernicke Korsakoff's if she's a chronic alcoholic because we don't know. Um, I is for insulin. Again, we're still thinking along the lines of, you know, DKA, check the sugar, um, thyroid storm, or mixed edema coma. Um, O for opiates or overdose, which we briefly kind of talked about. Just because somebody's older, we don't say, oh, well, there's no way that this woman could overdose because sometimes people do. And that's actually one of the more common ways that older people do um, try to to kill themselves is unfortunately um, drug overdose. So can't rule that out. Uh, U is for uremia or underdose. So in this case, she's I'm leaning more towards toxic um, overdose, not underdose, but never let that fall off of your radar because that could be a reason that an epileptic is like seizing and in status seizures because they're underdosed in their dilatant levels. So again, you, uremia or underdose. T is for trauma, which we talked a little bit about already. So thinking about that head, thinking about the brain, thinking about thinners, no thinners, um, a 69-year-old woman's brain. Hmm? Yeah, atrophy, lots of room for things to happen, thin meninges, if you will, um, head injury or blood loss or shock. So if this patient had fallen um, and had any kind of chest, abdomen, pelvis, trauma, you want a thing along those lines, uh, hemorrhagic shock. I for infection, which we know based on the macro bid that she did have a UTI or she currently is being treated for a UTI. So also don't, don't forget about meningitis, encephalitis, sepsis, septic shock, uh, pneumonia, and um, osteomyelitis. P is for poisoning, psychosis, or pharmacology, which we also touched on when we were talking about absorption, distribution, metabolism, and excretion, especially particularly with these geriatric patients. And S is for stroke, seizure, or syncope. So, Um, That's the A-E-I-O-U tips, mnemonic that we use when we think about these types of patients. So again, what do we always do? ABC, 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 because there's no acute, uh, there's no uncontrolled external hemorrhage anywhere. This isn't a trauma patient. So we just go down our ABC. So ventilation, oxygenation, if she had fallen, C-spine precautions, um, and let's move on with this patient. So that's what you know about her. No allergies. Again, she lives at home with her husband. He's there and he says, no, she does not use alcohol or drugs and she does not smoke cigarettes. Good to know. Um, this all happened approximately two to three days ago and just got progressively worse. And he really, again, was very concerned about the confusion. And the vomiting started the past two or three days but she was getting worse. And then she became less and less responsive over the last few hours prompting his call. So this wasn't like, oh, it just happened. She vomited one time and here she is in your ED. This has like been going on for a a couple days. So she hasn't been around any sick contacts. She hasn't traveled outside of the country, no trauma, no previous episodes, no new meds. So she's obviously been on the macrobid for a while, so you don't suspect anaphylaxis. And unknown last dose of those meds that we just mentioned. 
her ROS, her CNS. She, you ask her her name, she's not really answering. She's kind of mumbling incoherently. And the husband does report that her confusion and decreasing LOC is what's going on and what prompted his call. Um, eyes, ears, nose, throat, just... She was complaining um, more recently to her husband about worsening vision. Uh, CVS, nothing. Respiratory, nothing. GI, just vomiting at home earlier today and complaining of mild abdominal pain for the last few days. Uh, GU, just getting over that UTI and musculoskeletal, nothing. Nada. Zero. Zip. So, again, what are you going to do for this patient? All right, well, you got some more information. So you got your HPI to the best of your knowledge, your ROS. You've got a partner now helping you out in the room. So you you do your ABCs, IVO2 monitor, line and lab. And as your partner's drawing some labs, you look up on the monitor and you notice, hmm, that looks a little slow. So you go ahead and as you're getting a blood pressure, it's cycling. Um, You notice she just really is starting to, her GCS is really kind of deteriorating before your very eyes. So you're starting a bolus. um, You're getting an EKG. You're getting a 12 lead. She doesn't look well. You've got a not rebreather on her. You check her sugar. It's 137 mg per deciliter. Good, good. And you move on. Oh, her blood pressure is 85 over 60. Heart rate's 30. And it's irregularly irregular. Um, her respirators are 14. Her temps 36.5 Celsius, so 97.7 Fahrenheit. And oxygenation, she's about 95%. Um, that was on room air. You just popped her on a non-rebreather, so her sats are coming up. Now, just kind of looking at her now, she's got kind of a a warm skin tone about her now she's pinking up a little bit but her heart rate is so slow um heart tones are normal no rubs murmurs or gallops lung sounds are clear to auscultation anterior posterior and lateral no adventitious sounds everything else abdomen soft non-tender you're not feeling like you need to have a fast exam at this point because there's no trauma her gcs is 10 i2 verbal 3 and motor 5 so she does rouse to touch now um, she just is markedly confused. She's groaning. She's moaning incoherently, kind of garbled words. So um, definitely get your ice dads cooking because you need something specific. And at this point, what are you thinking might be going on with the patient? Well, let's see. What's her dig level? Um, her EKG is going to come back kind of funky, huh? What's her K? What's her lights? What's her... What, what what's the clinical picture on this patient? Because we need eye stats like now. Uh, you could go ahead and give her some atropine and see if she's going to respond to that. Um, she's pinking up a little bit with the O's. You can give her a little bolus, like a, maybe a 250 fluid challenge bolus if you don't know. Uh, crystalline challenge if you don't know what's going on with her like renal wise or lung wise. But again, her lungs are clear. You can just give her a little 250 uh, bump, but lo and behold, you've got to treat that heart rate, right? That's probably the cause. Her blood pressure is going to keep on trucking down, down, down because she's 85 over 60 now. So what are some of the things that you can think about if in fact her dig level comes back elevated? Well, we have that good old fashioned drug called Digibine. So, um, you 
go ahead and you call the lab and and you call poison control and you know your 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 coworkers out helping you call make those phone calls cuz you're staying at this patient's bedside obviously she's very ill um so again let's look at what some of her istat labs will come back at so let's say that her dig level comes back at mm, 10 or so um is that a problem uh maybe so um her Tylenol level or ASA um salicylates ETOH all negative. So toxicologically speaking, that's good. Um her calcium is 9.7, mag is 1.6, phosphorus 2.8. And her dig is 10 um nanograms per milliliter, so that's a problem, right? Uh huge problem. She's ditch toxic. Or actually her urine looks good, so she's not like going down the UTI septic route. Um, although with that heart rate being so low, we kind of ruled that out and she was a febrile as well. Um, CBC looks good. No, nothing there. Um, venous blood gas. So you get your VBG, your pH is 7.31. Your PCO2 is 47. Your PO2 is 36. Uh, your bicarb is 21 and your lactate is 4.5. So, hmm. Yeah, so you've got AFib, um, super slow ventricular response. And if you do not treat that, what, what do you think that this patient will probably end up doing going into VTAC, um, right? Because with, with a toxic ditch patient like that, you cannot let them continue uh, to go down that path. So then you get your eye stats and your sodium's 134, your K is 6.9, Chloride 105, bicarb 21, glucose 117. Um, that's just serum. You got a finger stick earlier. Um, BON 32 and creatinine 2.1. So this lady needs some digibine, but there's some things that really can pull your attention quickly to more than just the flu. And I think that's the biggest part of this patient because. I think what the most, the biggest teaching point for me is because I do a lot of education for triage and that type of thing. If this lady came in through this patient, let's say they came in through the tree, the front door, the husband didn't call 911. They just kind of meandered in. They came in by POV and he's got her in a wheelchair. She's kind of slumped over, um, puking a little bit. My, my biggest thing with her is please, please, please just get a 12 lead because you're never gonna get any kind of information on what's going on with this person this patient can get more critically ill and actually go into cardiac arrest in your triage waiting room if she were to come in and you blew it off as the flu so or an exacerbation of maybe oh well she's just sick from the macro bed or um she just was recently diagnosed with a uti and She's just not tolerating the antibiotic well. So you see that you could go down that slippery slope of believing that this lady is less ill than what she is. This is the kind of patient that really um, you have to pay a lot of attention to, number one, her age, uh, her comorbidities. And if you, you had that med list readily available or you can pull it up in Epic or Cerner or whatever you have, 
by all means, use every little bit of information. Because I'm telling you, this poor man with his wife is not going to have the meds list you know, memorize. So you, it's, it's on you as the nurse to dig and find the information. So once you find the ditch and the dilt and some of those other medications, it should just high index of suspicion, red flag, red flag, red flag, that you just need to whip out a putter in the back, get your tech, have them do a 12 lead real quick. And you're going to see this heart rate of 30 and this really weird, you know, AFib and it's like really funky, slow ventricular response. Because if you do not treat this, what's going to happen? Well, she's going to go into cardiac arrest because with that K, with that DIG toxicity, I mean, is she really going to tolerate a blood pressure of 80 or 70 or the direction that she's going? Of course not. Um, you know, her, her cardiac, um, her ejection fraction probably isn't all that good to begin with anyway. So you have to think about it from that aspect. So remember our bradycardia algorithm from ACLS, you know, atropine, transcutaneous pacing, and all of that. But really, in this patient's case, it's the DIG that you have to treat, the DIG toxicity. Um, and of course, going through all of that, once you give her the digibind and you consult the poison control center and do all of those things and correct her potassium right quick, you know, with the D50 and the insulin and our lovely KX elate, her blood pressure is going to come up. So we'll say you gave her the digibind and a pharmacy gave you that in a timely manner and you get a blood pressure of 110 over 80, a heart rate of 64, better, but I'm leaving the pads on, right? Because I'm superstitious as an ED nurse. If I take the pads off, something will happen. Um, respiratory rate 16, satin 90, 98, 99%. And she's much more comfortable now. She's speaking clearly, um, not like in big long sentences or telling a story, like story time. But she's speaking now coherently. She's not mumbling incoherently. And so she comes around with that digibind just fine. But teaching moment being, these are the kind of patients that might not pop off. You know, you, they may not seem that sick when they come up to the triage desk. And if you've got a waiting room full of 30, 40, 50 people, you're on like five to seven hour wait, this lady could fall through the cracks. So um, critical thinking skills to look at the med list put all the pieces together and think, hmm, you know what? I think this lady is much more ill than what she appears. And listen to your gut because it's always right. Um, in my 20 plus years of nursing, if it doesn't look right, it doesn't seem right, it's not. So follow your gut. Listen to your gut when somebody rolls up to you and they're kind of telling a story, but it doesn't sound right. And follow your protocols because our SOPs are there for a reason. Um, you know, to prevent the Swiss cheese effect. So if you do your um, cardiac profile and you draw your labs and you get that 12 lead within five minutes, even though she's not complaining of chest pain, she's an elderly woman. And we know that chest pain and STEMIs, all those patients that come in with acute coronary syndromes, they don't present textbook. Just because she looks like she may have the flu doesn't mean she probably has the flu. Um, so she's much more ill than what she appears. So get that 12 lead, uh, talk to the husband a little bit and extrapolate that med list and you'll go down that critical thinking path and save the day. So 
Word to the wise, those medalists are like gold. And don't forget the A-E-I-O-U tips mnemonic. And that will also lead you down a critical thinking path of what could go be going on with your patient. So there's lots of things to consider when a patient does have uh, decreased LOC or they're drowsy or they have delirium or they're lethargic. However, you just use the same mnemonic every time and it'll help lead you down that that differential to kind of think, okay, well, this could be going on and this couldn't be going on. Um, I've ruled this out completely, but this could be going on. So that will also help you. But again, use your SOPs. That's what they're there for. And if you don't really know, ask another nurse because I've done that a million times and I will consider can continue to do that in my profession because there is a, there's, there's no nurse that I know that knows everything and you'll never know everything. So if you're not sure, have another nurse lay eyes on the patient and say, well, what do you think about this patient? And they may start troubleshooting with you and say, well, did you do an EKG? Oh yeah, yeah, no, I forgot. Okay, well, let's do that. And as soon as you get that EKG, boom, you'll know. Heart rate's 30. Okay, let's throw in their trauma bay and start getting ready to pace and find out what's going on with this lady and get some eye stats. So just follow your gut. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to another edition of Emergency Trauma Mama podcast. Y'all take care. Have a good one. Bye-bye.